we got Maroon and Bold. We talked about two potential additions that could be very big to the Central Michigan football team. And then we'll get into the men's team taking a couple losses in a row and the women's team finding some recent success off their bench. All that and more in Maroon and Bold. Next. And welcome into Maroon and Bold. I am your sports editor, Andrew McDonald. Across from me as usual, the assistant sports editor, assistant to the sports editor, Shut up. Evan Petzold. And then to my right is a new staff reporter we have here. You guys probably been seeing some stuff from him now over the past week or so. Uh, ben Zeitler, he's going to be with us talking about men's basketball because he's been at the last couple of games. So, new guys, what's that? New on the block. New on the block. Big exactly. Z, we call him around here. <laughs> Got a lot of good energy. We like he's it. He's about to make a splash, though. Get ready. How are we all feeling here? Third week of the semester? I'm good. I'm good. I'm living right now. And that's all that really matters. Like, that's kind of what we talk about every time we're on here is the whole survive in advance kind of thing when it comes to school. But I can't complain right now. I can't complain. How about you? Uh, hasn't really entered the home stretch yet for me, but um, with exams coming up, I think it'll get busy soon. For sure. It never, never fails. You know, you say survive in advance, you're starting to get me to want the calendar to just turn to March already because I'm ready for it. But you're ready for that kind of ready uh, for that, that, kind kind of vibe. Of, that kind of vibe for sure. Well, like what he said, though, real quick is, you know, he said, Literally said with exams around the corner, but like exams are, you know, in, you know, just before May in May, but it does feel so quick, doesn't it? Like oh, it just yes. feels like it hits you like a, like a freight train Pretty and much. you know, you have the midterms and stuff too, that all kind of come up. It's just, it's a hot mess, but yeah, sports. For sure, it's definitely some sports, there. and we're still finding ourselves talking about football because it just seems like this offseason has been a never-ending. It really feels like it's just never been a never-ending season, especially for a team that went 1-11, and, and you're kind of like surprised that we're still it finding a way end. to talk about football, it but end. it's just still been going. And So we got two potential um, additions to the Central Michigan football team this week with uh, South Alabama graduate transfer Ruan Godwin and uh, and Foothill College. It's a JUCO school transfer, Jake uh, Dominguez. Evan, you want to tell us a little bit more about those? I know you've been doing some stuff on that this week. Yeah, so Godwin, he was up here. Well, they're actually both up here uh, this past weekend. Got to spend some good time with CMU coach Jim McElwain. Got to spend time with you know, offensive line coach Derek Fraser, as both of those guys are guys in the offensive line. And that's something that jumped out to me right away. It was when I heard that they were both visiting at the same time, I was interested. You know, the offensive line, we talked about it. It hasn't been great. No, yeah. In the past couple years, year, it hasn't been. Question. And, you know, you, you even look back to the year prior – and you just had so many offensive weapons that maybe a lacking offensive line didn't really matter. You had Shane Morris, you had Matt Corey Willis, you, can cover you had up Chapman, that. you had the stars on offense that could, you know, they could swing the ball around. They didn't need to worry so much about the run game. And and Jonathan Ward, yeah, I know he had a great year two years ago, two seasons ago. Yep. This year, not as much. But the the fact of the matter was, you look at two years ago in the season that he had. The only reason he had that season was because. The passing game opened it up for him. That, that's all it was. They were such a threat. This year, they were so one-dimensional on the ground. You need the offensive line in that situation. They just didn't have it. But I think some, you know, these two guys right here that they're trying to bring in is huge. And McElwain told Dominguez when I talked to him, he said, you know, quote, the reason you and Rowan are here first is because you guys are the first priority. So that jumped out to me also that, okay, these are the guys that they want. These are the two guys that they want to secure as transfers Obviously, with Godwin as a graduate transfer and Dominguez as um, just a normal JUCO transfer, he'll have three years of eligibility. Um, Goodwin just has one. But, I mean, yeah, both these guys are hogs, okay? that That's just the first thing you got to realize is, is they're hogs. Godwin's 6'4", 300 pounds, and, and Dominguez not far behind him. It, it's really two players that can make an immediate impact, and that's the point of a transfer, right? When you bring them in, you want that immediate impact. That That's why you bring guys in like that. 
you know, especially Shane, later. Shane, look, at your, look, at your, look at your Shane Morris. Look at even, you know, coming up, look at your Quentin Dormandy coming in, you know, as a transfer from Houston, you know, a quarterback. They want him to make an immediate impact. That's the point. That's why you bring these guys in with one year left. It's yeah, not about exactly. development. That's the key word with one year left. So, I mean, sometimes you might bring him in a little bit earlier in there. And Dominguez career, has three, but... so he has his time, and I, and I understand that. But specifically speaking on, on Goodwin, Godwin, excuse me, he's a guy that, yeah, you, you got to have him make that impact right away. And, and his dad actually played at Alabama way back when. And then so when McIlwain was at Alabama as the offense coordinator, now I know his dad wasn't playing for McIlwain because – that would really wouldn't work out with the timeline and where you know he is that with with his age, but mm-hmm. just through mutual friends and, and some connections, he his dad kind of got to know McElwain a little bit, so they had a relationship and they were able to you know develop a, a little bit of a bond and a trust just through mutual friends. He understood you know some of the the core values that McElwain stood for, and that's something that's really drawing him to to CMU. And he he said, "quote It's definitely a place I can see myself committing to." End quote. So that's a that's a plus. You have a guy that wants to come here. Dominguez, on the other hand, a guy that wasn't highly rated out of high school, went to a JUCO, a guy that, you know, yeah, he has three years of eligibility, so he's one that you can develop a little bit. But McElwain told him, quote, you know, JUCO guys are the players that we think can have an impact for us right away, end quote, because those are the guys that are in that JUCO lifestyle. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. You watch guys come through here that we're at, you know, we're, we're playing it's never in JUCO programs. It's not, it's not an easy yeah. grind. They, they normally play pretty well, especially at the Mac level. I know, you know, you know, big 10 and really all the power fives, it's a little bit shaky, but when you yeah. come from a JUCO <laughs> to a Mac program, you're going to be, you're going to do all right for, for it's yourself. It's possible and, that you were a diamond in the rough. And yeah, you know, exactly. Found, so, and that's, that's kind of the point. Um, I, it was kind of interesting too. He said that, um, they went into a practice media session. That's what that's what Dominguez told me. Where they mimicked how the media is going to ask questions when you know if if he were to come here and how the media is going to work. That was interesting. He said that he's never done anything like that before. Um, I guess other interesting things was he basically told. I mean, yeah, he. I mean, he, Dominguez basically told the staff, "It's going to be it's going to be tough to pull me away for anyone else to pull me away from CMU." He said. It was it was an unbelievable visit. He loved every second of it. It felt like family. And Godwin said the same thing. It was it was family, family, hometown feel, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it looks good right now. That's all I'm saying from from a guy who knows. I would say a little bit about recruiting. It, it seems like these guys are interested. And it doesn't seem like there's many other schools that are out there pushing for them super hard. Not that that's a bad thing, but the whole diamond and rough mentality. It's it's there, and people want to play for for CMU with McElwain as their coach. That's just the truth of it. They want to play for him. You saw it work out with some other transfers that they were able to bring in once he got hired. You saw him lock down a couple of commits. People want to play for him, and it's going to happen. It, it just is. He's going to get pieces, and that's what matters most. For sure, you're bringing a big-time coach like that. It definitely attracts more people to your school. I think it goes without question to say that these guys are definitely interested in that part of it too. I mean, when you have a guy that's coached at bigger levels and bigger levels college football, it just makes it – um, easier, easier to go by, and it, honestly, like, yeah, the visit can you know mean whatever, and they can they obviously have to like the atmosphere too mm-hmm. of the place, but really, when you just have that name to say that that was your head coach, I mean, yeah. it can change a whole NFL scout's view in in any way if you play really good and have a really good season. There, um, there, well, there's really, there's really, reasonably three things that people care about when they're picking a school. I don't care if you're at the high school level, I don't care if you're at, you know, I don't care if you're already at the college level and you're a transfer, but the three things you care about: one, head coach. Two facilities. Three, when the hell am I going to play? 
Yeah. That's all you care about. That's all you care about. You go to a one in 11 team, you're probably going to play. You got the Chippewa Champion Center coming in, which will probably be one of the best facilities in the MAC. I mean, period, if it's not the best facility in the MAC. Um, and then you got a great head coach. Exactly. And you have a new head coach that's bringing in a new energy and has been around the block before at the position. He's coached at higher levels than this. So, yeah, all around, I mean, you're going to, you're just going to, I think you're going to keep hearing positive things in the future mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to this guy bringing in. You know, people that maybe Central Michigan hasn't had in a while, or things that they haven't been able to get. Um, not to you know down by Mago on it, but it's just something that it's it's different when you have that kind of a name and you can bring in that kind of a past. Bono was a state name. You know, he was a state of Michigan. People knew him in the state. Yeah, right. Oh, he was huge in the hometown stuff all the but time. Mac, Anytime he talked to Mac, him. is a national name. I mean, he is a name that people know. No matter where you're at, people are going to know that name. I, you know, if you're out in and if you're off in Las Vegas or if you're out in Washington, you're not gonna know you're not gonna know who Bono is. But Coach yeah. Mack, you hear Coach Mack, you know, you you, you know who that is. That's just that's just the only the truth only, to only it. place in the country that I think you don't want to be to talk about him is Gainesville. Other than that, you're probably you're probably Basically. good on that. So for sure. But yeah, we'll see what happens with those. It'll be interesting to see if they actually do come over. And I'm sure sure uh, my guy across from me will keep you guys up to date on well, it. Well, and also you know before we jump into the next segment, I, I wanted I do want to say. From what I've heard from, you know, 2020 guys, you know, kids that are going to be making their decision and they're going to be able to join a team, you know, not for the 2019 season, but for the 2020 season. So those kids that are juniors now and they'll be seniors next year. Um, I mean, they, they have just given unbelievable high praise to the coaching staff in general. Obviously, looking past the head coach, offensive line coach Derek Frazier, he was here last year. Quarterbacks coach Charlie Fry, he played in the NFL. Wide receivers coach Kevin Barbet. Tight end coach Tavita Thompson, he was here last year. Uh, defensive coordinator Rob Ackie, he's brand new. Defensive line coach Justin Hines. Linebackers coach Mark DiBastini. And then defensive backs coach Corey Hall. He's a guy that was here last year, and he, he's a pretty big deal. And special teams coach Ryan Beard, who was with Louisville last year, hearing he's also going to coach safeties. Corey Hall specifically working with the, the cornerbacks only. So, yeah, Corey Hall is the DB's coach, but he'll have more of a look on the cornerbacks. Ryan Beard going to do some work with the safeties. He has some experience there in his past stops. But, yeah, man, I mean, these guys give all of them high praise, and that's the most interesting thing. Still, though, no offensive coordinator, no running backs, no running backs coach yet. For sure. So that no OC, McElwain could be calling plays. But, anyway, next segment. Yeah, we'll flip over to men's basketball now. They have a... Uh... Had a little bit of an interesting go about here. I'm um, losing their last, you know, two, two or three or four games now, um, but two straight. It's kind of, it's kind of just a different feel though than it was a year ago when they were losing these games. Because really, they're not losing them like in a way that's like, oh, they're just getting blown out, or these teams are just so much better than them. Um, I think the real thing that's going on right now is the fact that they can't figure out how to finish a game um, when it gets down to the, you know, the the closing parts of it. You know, you look back all the way to January 12th and they played against Bowling Green. Um, that was a game where. You know, we both sat there, Ben, and we watched yeah. it and said that, you know, this game was probably over in the second half. They're down by 14. And so they come all the way back. You know, they've been that way where they just don't give up. Um, and they end up going to overtime because they give up six points in the final minute of the game. Right. End up losing the game by, well, it was 10 points. It really wasn't a 10-point kind of defeat. It's just because they lost it in overtime. And then, you know, they go to Northern Illinois, get the get the win on the road. You're kind of thinking, okay, they can come back and be good now. You know, they, they had a little slip-up, and maybe they'll improve off of that. Then they lose two in a row. Um, the game against Ball State was a game they led again in the second half after trailing by a lot, but end up losing the game by 11. And then they lose to Akron um, just last night. We're recording this on Wednesday. Um, they end up losing to Akron by three points in a game where they never led, but they were able to kind of you know inch back, inch back, inch back. So sure. 
What are you really seeing from them right now um, over the last couple of games of just observing it in person that seems to be the problem when it you know gets late and they're just struggling to close these games out and get wins? Right. I guess I'll start with the Ball State game. Um, they came out slow to start that game as well. Um, they were down by as many as 12, I believe, to start the game, and uh, the energy just wasn't there. But early in the second half, there was a complete reversal of that, and they managed to take the lead by five after a big big run by them. Uh, and then they kind of just lost it down the stretch and um, weren't able to close it out. As uh, Sean Roundtree Jr. said, they got complacent at the end of the game once they got that lead and just weren't able to recover while Ball State was just able to take advantage of that complacency. What's, sure. what's Keno Davis really been saying about it? Because that, that's my thing. I know Andy and I, we talked to him a lot last year, and it was the, the whole mentality was we're not a finished product yet. We're not a finished product yeah, yet. Are you hearing the same thing? Is that yeah. what he's saying? Yes. Finished product, not quite yet. Every game. I mean, that's, com- that, and that's what <laughs> I don't understand. And so he comes back around to every game. It's always kind of been his buyout. Every year. But, it doesn't oh, yes. matter. The thing is, to me, is that this team, you know, just from watching, I'm, I'm just going to ignore what Kino says. I'm just going to say that this <laughs> team is a lot closer to a finished product than they were a year ago. They simply just have better talent. I mean, I think up and down their lineup, Rob Montgomery has proved to be a guy that can definitely compete in this conference. He's gritty. Yeah, exactly. They, they know how to get back in games, but there's there's where that experience is lacking of being a, a senior that's played four years in the MAC with Larry Austin or, you know, Sean Roundtree's only been here for a couple of years. They're struggling on the stretch to close these games, and they do blame it on themselves, but that's something you got to improve on quicker than later. I mean, yeah, sure, you could you know, go to the MAC tournament, maybe by that time you know, win that, but if, if you still really have your goals set on winning this you know, this league, which I, I don't think any, any of us think is actually going to happen, but nevertheless, you know, that's their goal. They want to get there. That's really what that's the that's the thing that they're not getting right now. They can do everything else. They can compete with almost any team in this league. I mean, that, the thing is, they got Buffalo in this league, and not a lot of teams. Period can't compete with them, but. Nevertheless, they're a team that could finish, you know, and get maybe a higher seed, maybe a 5-6 if they're lucky, if they can, you know, turn this around and start closing out some of these games. They're really not that bad. You know, I I thought they were a team coming the season when they were projected to finish last. I said they might finish third or fourth because they're a team that, you know, has a lot of pieces that people haven't seen yet. They're proven to give talent, but the question is, are they ever going to be able to come around to actually have the leadership to be able to win these games at the end of the game? You have to finish with the W. It doesn't matter how close you got. Or if you came back, you have to win. I like the point that you made. I really do. When you talk about it's the Mac and you want to have someone that has been here for four years and understands what it's like because I, mean, I don't know if, if anybody caught it, but Northern Illinois, they beat Buffalo by two just just yesterday. Yeah. So I mean, no, but no, happens. no, but I'm just saying that's but, no, that's my point though. My point is I understand you're not many people are gonna beat Buffalo. But Northern Illinois but beat them this, and CMU beat them on the road by yeah, I know. Near 10 points. I know, and that's my point, though, is anybody can beat anybody in this conference at any mm-hmm. given time. It's not like you're in a Power 5 conference where you have the stragglers. No, everybody's kind of just in this mix, and, and I yeah. think that's the hardest thing about playing in this conference. I think, no doubt, you still call Buffalo the best team, but the, yeah. the thing the thing about it is, is like what you just said, a team like Northern Illinois that had no business beating them beats them. I mean, that, that's, that's crazy, honestly, that that happened, and... I mean, you look at it in a way where it's like, yeah, so CMU could put some things together. Maybe they could actually win something. Maybe they could surprise people in the MAC tournament. I don't know. But nevertheless, I mean, is there any is there any production, Ben, um, I guess, that you've been seeing from some of these like players that are has been really key in their last couple of games? You know, I, I know you mentioned something about Rob earlier, Rob Montgomery, and how he's been playing, but. Yeah, I would, I guess I would start with Rob Montgomery, who in the Ball State game had 19 and 7, uh, 7 rebounds, that is. And that was key in a game where physicality was really lacking for the chips. Um, <clears throat> and then moving into the uh, the Akron game, that uh, physicality was a big a big role played a big role in the um, decision in that game. And um, 
I just saw more of a team effort in that one. They were being out-rebounded by 11 in that first half, but then um, were able to out-rebound Akron as a team in the second half by 7. And so I see some promise coming out of this group. Um, They were able to fight back despite a sloppy first half where they shot only 24% from the field uh, in CMU's case. Um, And so in their next matchup against Toledo, who's 15-4, 3-3 in the MAC, very comparable to uh, CMU's record. Um, it could be a big game for the Chippewas and that it could define their season. Yeah, it's you're you're waiting for that turning point again. I mean, that's where it was at all last year. And both for I mean for both of you guys, I mean, I know that you guys have both been been around enough and I know you've been just recently, but listen, guys, the stretch you have coming up at Toledo, at home back to back against Eastern and Western, and then on the road at Buffalo, those are those are four like and I'm not trying to to downplay but those are four very losable games that they yeah. could drop right in a row. How do they avoid that? How do they? I mean, what? What's? A, I guess well, my better question. Better thing. question. Hang on. How do you? What? What? What is considered a win out of those four games? Is it a split? Is it winning just one of them? I mean, that that those are some tough well, opponents. It, it depends what you consider a win. It depends if you. Consider, yeah. So what do you guys consider a if win? If you think, if you think, C, okay, CMU has no business winning this conference. They're not a team that was expected to coming into the year. I thought they might have been a little bit better than where they were. A win would be. Yeah, splitting those two games. If CMU can go anywhere near 500 this year, and, and, teams. and just in general, just in honestly, general. in conference play, um, it'd probably be a better season than what most people expected. I think they could be even better than that. I think they could finish with a positive record in conference if they play well enough, but it's just, it, it really just comes down to who's going to step up and, and finish these games for me. And you're talking about some of these games that are coming up. You mentioned Toledo. Savage Arena, always tough place to play. It's from what I've heard, it's one of the toughest places to play in the MAC. Eastern Michigan and Western Michigan, both rivalry games. You never know what you're mm-hmm. going to get out of that kind of a scenario. And then obviously we've talked about Buffalo. On so, the road too. Yeah. So I mean, on the yeah, exactly on the road. And not that that's really been too much of a trouble for CMU this year. They played pretty well on the road um, when they've had to. But I mean, some of these arenas are going to be a little bit more full of people than some of the ones that they've played at so far in the MAC. And you go to a place like Toledo and Buffalo, they usually get pretty good turnout of fans. And I would expect it to be difficult for them. Um, but nevertheless, if they can get out of there with just going two and two, yeah, that'd be a win for me in those four games. But that's where I'm at with it. Your your thoughts, Ben, and really, if you had to, I mean, if you say that you agree with him, what two games think they might win? Um, sorry, what were their upcoming four? It's Toledo at Toledo, and then uh, against Eastern Michigan, um, Western Michigan. Both those games are at home, and they're at Buffalo. So four tough opponents coming up. I mean, you get two of them back to back at home, and your rivals. How do you see those four games playing out? Uh, I think the Chippewas could even pull out three wins of that. Um, you've got Toledo. Uh, like I said, they're very comparable to mm-hmm. um, to Central. Um, both are three and three in the conference. Um, they might be able to scratch one there on the road in a tough in a tough arena. Um, you've got Western Michigan, who is zero and six in the MAC so far, but it'll be a rivalry game. Yes, but I think that on paper the Chippewas should win that one, and then. Um, and then you've got Eastern and Buffalo, but do they, do, can they, you think, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I see what you're saying. Cause Western's not really playing too hot. If you can take Eastern and Toledo, I mean, that's back to back wins and you go into Western, you beat them. Yeah. Maybe you get three. You just yeah. said it earlier. Anybody in this conference can beat anybody. So really when you look at it, it's like, 
Yep, every game that CMU goes out the rest of the year, I'd say they definitely have a shot to win the game. That's the thing. It's like a year ago, I could have told you pretty much every game on paper what they were going to lose. That's the difference with this team. I know they can win some of these games. It's the question if they're going to take the next step and actually be a team that competes for this conference and actually competes when they get to the end of the year. I don't think they're going to win the conference no matter what. But if they do make some steps, they could be a team that surprises people in the MAC tournament and actually win some games there, depending on what matchups they get and who they play against. They definitely could do that. Just got to start making strides right now. You got to start getting better right now, and that's this is the time of the year to do it. So, and, and really, too, you remember the MAC tournament last year. I mean, they they snuck out and, and, and beat Bowling Green in that first round. That was one of the you know the home games for CMU. It was you know the first round, and, and they won that one in OT. And then they they went to Cleveland. And they played Buffalo, and they lost eighty nine seventy four. But that game was close all the way down to the last a minute 30 seconds yep so like you said that was last year when when buffalo did wonders yeah anything can happen yeah for sure they're definitely and just looking at this the standings in the mac you've got bowling green at six and oh you've got buffalo at five and one crazy. and then uh western michigan down at oh and six but the rest of these teams are either four and two three and three or two and four so that middle area has a lot of ground that can be made up a lot for of the for movement. a lot of move for shaking things up within the conference especially come uh conference um Conference tournament playoff time. Tournament, yeah, time. Yeah, tournament time. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It'll be definitely be interesting. I think that this team definitely rides on them no matter what. It's if Larry Austin and Sean Roundtree can control this team and get them to get wins and you know lead the team to actually get buckets late in the game when they need it because it's a big that's a big thing right now. Um, and then if Rob Montgomery can actually hang with some of these bigs inside all season and stay out of foul trouble, I think that's honestly the two things you can look at that are the biggest for them. But moving over um, to the women's basketball team, we'll get to that real quick because you know they kind of just been doing what they do, but. You know, we watched the game uh, not that long ago. They did they take their first conference loss, and it was kind of like, okay, that's a reality check. You know, this team can lose the teams in conference. Even if it's a home game, even if they had no business, you know, losing that game, we definitely thought they were going to win that. But Miami of Ohio, correct? Yep. Um, we definitely thought they were going to win that game, and they didn't. But uh, they've been able to come out and get some wins since then. Um, but I think the biggest thing that you wrote about this week is that they're starting to find it from people that aren't named Presley Hudson and Raina Frost. It's the people that are coming off their bench. Yeah, I mean, when CMU normally – Picks up a win and a close win, nonetheless, as they took down Kent State 82 75 on Saturday. It's Presley Hudson, it's Raina Frost, two seniors, the star players. They're always in the mix. They're always the ones that are making the big shots, making the big passes, pulling down the big rebounds, getting the key blocks. But in this situation, Hudson set out the entire fourth quarter and Frost barely played throughout those same 10 minutes. Both of them had four fouls. So you got to imagine Sue Guevara head coach for CMU, her her back is against the wall. I mean, what does she have? Her two-star players are out. That's where most coaches go, okay, it's time to panic. <laughs> kind of freaking out. It's a close game. What are we going to do? Yeah. But, you know, and it's what, she, it's what she's wanted all year was bench production. Senior guard Jada Robinson, who literally never plays, was on, she's on the scout team. So that's, that's what she does. She, she scouts the other team, puts it in practice, and she was one of the first players off the bench once once Presley started to get in foul trouble. End of the game, she played almost the whole fourth quarter. Sophomore forward Kira Bustle, she stepped up as of late. She's really turned herself into, into something special. But she was in there, and, and she's a player that's not normally in there. Normally that's Raina Frost, and that's just where she plays, and she's there in the big moments. But it was Bustle. Junior guard Gabby Bird sits in the corner, likes to shoot threes. That's her kind of style. She likes to pull down some rebounds and she can push it in transition. She was in there as well. So you have three bench players, and one of which is Jada Robinson, who like literally never plays, ever. And she gets in the game, and it was just so impressive to watch 
how they were able to just take control of the game from a defensive standpoint to win the game. It's not like they won it with offense like they would, you know, if you had Presley or Rain out there. They won it straight defensively, and that was because of Robinson, Bustle, and Bird. They won the defensive game, and that's why they were able to do it. And that's the bench production that Guevara's always wanted. She's been looking for it, and that's what she asked that, for at the beginning of the year. Who's going to be my bench? I, I can't just play five players all game. And they got it done. Yeah, no, that's a you know I talk, honestly I remember one of the first you know weeks of the year. Um, I was actually right for the first game. I you know we, sometimes their practices overlap, and I talked to Sue for the game. I was just like, honestly, how are you feeling about it this year? And she kind of looked at me and just gave me like a smirk and said, you know, I don't really know yet. And that's and she said a lot of it was just because of her her bench and she didn't know what she was going to get off of it. But I think she's honestly one of the best coaches out there that at getting the best out of those people off her bench. She puts them in games and situations where. You're either going to produce or you're not going to get it, and that's how you get stuff out of your players at an earlier point in their career than maybe you thought that they were going to get it. This is a perfect example of it in this game where they absolutely needed these people to come in and play minutes because of foul trouble, and they found a way to get a win on the road in a game where they easily could have lost. And I mean, then all of a sudden you're looking at you know, two losses in conference already. Yeah. Like, what's going to happen to CMU? Like, is this going to be a letdown year? Like, you know, after everybody's expecting them to win, and so they, it's crazy how you know one game can mean that much, but. By the end of the year, this is one you could look back at and say, wow, they really needed their bench to win this game and get them to where they're at at the end of the year. Yeah, and, and Jada Robinson, who I was you know, just recently praising, she had a career-high 19 minutes, so just one minute away from playing half the game. That's impressive. Had three points and four rebounds. I know the three points doesn't shock you, but like I said, it was the defense that mattered. And Guevara told me, she said, you know, she called Robinson out in front of the entire team one day bef- the, the, the day before the game. So, so the last practice before heading to Kent State, she she called her out and she said, quote, Jada, what you're doing today, can you do that tomorrow? End quote. And she said, yeah, you know, yeah, coach, I can. It, it Sue told her, don't be surprised. You're coming off the bench early. And she did it. She brought Robinson off the bench and let her play. And the, the whole point to, to Guevara was, let's send a message to these other players that are on the bench. Like, how about the freshmen? You know, the freshmen that have been playing a lot. I know Jahari Smith, different situation. Yeah. But, you know, the, the other three... Freshman, I mean, let's tell them you put in the work on the scout team. You understand the other team's game plan. You're gonna find minutes. You're gonna you're just gonna find them. So it's it's nice to see that she finally has bench players that she can trust with consistency, and that that can only bode well for the future. Sure, back on the winning track. Uh, they'll take on Toledo again. We're recording this on Wednesday, so they do play on the night. Don't know the result of that yet. And then they'll have Eastern Michigan on Saturday. So see what happens to both those. But I think that'll do it for us this week. This this week I'm ruining bold. So for Ben and Evan, I'm Andy. Make sure you guys are uh, listening and downloading off CM Life. It'll be on the website there. You guys also find it on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 